0: Hello oh, and welcome back to Making It, a podcast where we explore all the joys and challenges of being an independent maker. I'm your host, Mike Williams. I'm a small business owner slash maker from Maryland. Several years ago, while listening to some awesome music at a company party, I asked the DJ if I could charge my phone by him. Little did I know we'd later be working together. So today I'll be talking with my buddy, Rude. Rude, known as Rudy Lime, is a DJ out of the Netherlands, but he travels all over to share his skill. How
1: you doing today, Rude? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much, Michael, for inviting me over for this podcast. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you about the uh, yeah the ins and outs of DJ life and what whatnot. So uh, let's well, go for it. <laughs> it's my
0: pleasure having you. So uh, you want to start telling us a little about you, uh, where you're from, your how you came to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was a stormy night, though. No. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> no, so my name is uh, I'm from the Netherlands. Um, please don't try to pronounce my last name because I know it's, it's terrible to try in, uh, in English.
0: I intentionally uh, tried, I intentionally left that out. I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to attempt <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: um, so I'm, I'm 30 years old now. Uh, literally had my, uh, my birthday, uh, last week. Um, well, and happy I've been as a DJ for over 13 years now. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a long time in the industry um, and I'm, and yeah, I'm still, as a, as a small artist, I have done some stuff uh, on bigger events here in the Netherlands and also some stuff uh, on international scale. Um, but yeah, it's my, my main focus has been to uh, focus on the DJ part, so really playing records at, at events and growing uh, and building my name from that. However. Uh, the industry obviously has been changing with how we all are, like, hyper-connected through social media, so from just being a DJ, uh, the past decade, it transformed from being a DJ towards being an online marketeer, towards uh, being, like, uh, doing a lot of, like, uh, vlogging, and also, oh yeah, you have to make your own music now, and then, uh, then you have to do, like, your whole financial stuff, so suddenly just having fun on stage, and and. Making people dance, allowing people to dance, became like a multifaceted job, and that is, I think, um, what not many people understand about the whole DJ uh, industry. So I think that would be cool to explore that a bit in this uh, podcast.
0: So you can't just go up on stage with a laptop and play your
1: iTunes. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, to zoom back in on on what an actual the role of a DJ is. Now let's let's step a bit further back. Uh, Mike, if I ask you, what does going out mean for you?
0: Oh, well, for me, I'm a single dad, so <laughs> it's whenever the <laughs> whenever the kids aren't home. Um, but you know, I enjoy going, you know, movie, go out to eat. Uh,
1: simple things. No, no, I, I, you don't need to summarize uh, the things that you do. I'm more I'm to explore. Like, what does it mean to go out? What? Because to me, going out means that you're looking for. Some form of entertainment or some form of experience uh, that you don't experience if you are in your normal state of your life, which for the most of us, the most part of our life consists out of working and hanging out with your colleagues. Mm-hmm. And in, the, in your spare time, you hang out with your family or with your friends and you start doing activities. Going out for me means stepping out of your daily routine and doing something that is new for you to enrich you, to, uh, to look forward to, Right.
0: Yeah, like uh, a little escape from reality, a mini-vacation.
1: Exactly, and that can be like a a couple of hours at a bar, that can be a festival, that can be going to the cinema, that can be going out for dinner, that can be anything, literally. I want to feel like um, what not many artists embrace these days is that through social media, the focus became really about the ego and like showing that you're everywhere. But your main role is whatever you do in, in working and in, in, um, the free time of others is making sure that their experience is flawless, right? Right. So I feel as a, as a DJ, um, I feel my responsibility is to be and uh, to embrace, uh, to be the curator of the night. I have the permission to play for people in, the, in a club or in a bar or at a festival or wherever. And they choose to, spe- to spend their free time, which is invaluable, to spend that listening to my music. So I feel my responsibility is to give them something that is really delivering and expect, uh, their expectations of going out, to, to hear something new that they don't hear when they are at their, uh, listening to the radio at their work. Okay. I feel like a, a DJ should be a lot more like a curator and embrace the fact of being a curator to... Yeah, give something to the audience. That's your responsibility. And with uh, a lot of the, the kind of like DJs that we see now that really just show up with only their laptop, um, they, they just try to play a lot of music and a lot of music that we hear throughout the week as well. Uh, but where's the fun in that, you know? There's, there's no challenge because you've already heard Rihanna sing on your radio six times today. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to hear it six times in the, in the club? Right. And that, that's kind of like the, um, the higher level that I've been embracing, why, why I took uh, action of being a DJ. I didn't like what I hear in clubs or in bars, uh, and and I wanted to give something uh, unique in return. So that's why I decided to do it myself.
0: That's awesome. That's, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's all. That's, that's kind of how I started
0: 15 right. years ago. So uh, w- which uh, events have you done lately? Which ones have... Uh, really um, felt it, uh, it like that, uh, you felt like the crowd really embraced you, uh, your craft?
1: Uh, there's, a, there's a few. Uh, there were a few tinier ones here in, uh, in my home city in Eindhoven in the Netherlands. Um, I've been playing uh, at some sort of residency on Thursday nights um, up until April. Uh, and there were like moments where we had just a small bar with 40 people in it, but all 40 people were just completely... Uh, sweaty, dancing in sync, all because I was, like, really conducting the energy at that time. And that was, I think, one of my little favorite moments I had this year, just because suddenly everyone was really focused on, on what happened with the music and, and being in one flow with each other. Um, and they were all, like, coming to me at the end of the night, like, hey, what was that song with this vocal in it? Or, you know, they, they really experienced something where, what was new for them. And i think that's really important to give that uh, to your audience um the other thing that was really cool that i did this year was that on new year's eve i had a gig in kathmandu in nepal and i was flown o- uh, over there as, a, as the headliner for a new year's concert with literally the biggest nepali artists uh, present there so like just for your reference i was like the drake of nepal uh the ed sheeran of nepal basically huge nation, uh, yeah, huge artist in that country. Um, and suddenly I was their headliner, I was like the closing act and, and responsible for conducting the people on, into the last hour of, of 2017 towards, uh, 2018. Well, that that was a, a very interesting experience, because the traditional Dutch DJ, what, what is known now is, uh, that, that it's really focused on EDM and a lot of, like, more commercial sounds of music whereas I'm, like, rather more underground. So how was I going to bridge that gap for, for like, this audience that was, like, totally unaware of the Science of House music that I would play, um, and especially after, like, their, their biggest artists of their whole country uh, already performed for them. So there's a very wide um, gap between different styles of music that evening, right? Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting to, to explore that and to... Uh, like, in the first two or three songs, I could see, like, this audience was a bit like, okay, what is this? But I was supposed to play for nearly two hours. Um, and after that, people got into the rhythm, and suddenly there was, like, a few thousand people that were dancing, and they were, they were like, standing uh, there until the very end. They were to uh, make, like, photos at the end and stuff, and it was really cool, because they were like, holy shit, I did not expect this kind of music, and I really enjoyed it, you know, and I gave them really something for, for like, to start their new year, and that was really cool. That, that's amazing. Travel all that way
0: and, and perform, you know, with their top performer. That's pretty amazing. Yeah,
1: but it was it was a crazy experience as well because it was, was my first time to actually headline an event with with artists of so that. Uh, it was my first time to headline an event. Let's say it that way. <laughs> right. And it was my first time to headline an event and to play in an event with such a diverse uh, lineup of artists. You know. Yeah, because there's was like the biggest rock singer, the the biggest rapper of the country. So there was like it was a more like a pop event, and you're suddenly closing it down with like high class house music, you know. It was it was really interesting uh, to give them something very different on their uh, yeah closing up of, of the year. No, that
0: sounds amazing though. That's the, <laughs> to to headline like that and just yeah, uh, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So do you do you remember the the first uh, DJ you saw or first song or something where you were like you know that that's what I want to do that I want to DJ, uh, that like you said that the, there there were ones that weren't inspiring so you wanted to do better than them were were there ones that inspired
1: you? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of them. I mean, uh, electronic music and especially like uh, trance music and and some of the harder styles music uh, harder dance styles they um, really got big from the Netherlands uh, point of view uh, and then I'm looking back at some of the bigger DJs uh, back in the, in the, like the late 90s early 2000s such as uh, uh, a, Tiesto, uh a very course uh, uh, Marco v was really big at the time um, yeah there's just so many big names uh, rank one uh, all a bit more from the trans era but it, it did give a, a Great international foundation uh, for events such as Sensation. Um, and that gave a really big, like, uh, international view of, like, hey, what's going on in dance music? And, hey, this is really cool. This is something, a place where we can unite with people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same happened with the hard dance music. Back in the day, in, uh, in 2004, I started playing hard uh, hardstyle music uh, because I really like the, the energy that the music is a bit louder. It's about uh, or faster. Then what I play now, it's about 140 to 150 beats per minute. Uh, so it's, it's relatively fast. Uh, but in that time, it was a bit of like a crossover between trance music, between techno, and it had some hardcore elements in it. Um, and it was really fresh. And the good thing of it was that it was really uh, creating this unified drive in the audience. And that's what I really enjoy. Um there were artists such as Brandon Hart, but uh, also DJ Isaac uh, and Showtech back in the day. I really enjoyed the, the way how, how their songs sound and the energy that, that they could bring with it. And uh, I was like, hey, I see you guys doing this, and I, I feel like I can contribute to that. You know, That was one of the things that I felt as well. I really enjoyed the energy, and I, I really wanted to be part of that. Right. Um, and that's uh, kind of how I started to grow into it, and I evolved uh, through different styles of music. And eventually, I find my, my heart and soul in uh, in house and techno. So I, I kind of slowed down in, in beats per minute, but um, I still really am looking forward to uh, create energy that unites people to bring them together. You know, there's this the world is so divided, and it's really one of the most beautiful things you can give. You know, to bring them together.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and music is a great way to do that.
1: Exactly, it's a unified language. You know, and. The fun part, is, it really is unified language, because the drums of, uh, especially uh, yeah, the rhythm of music, it corresponds with our core as a, as a human species. I mean, back in the, the primal days, when we, when we were still like, uh, I don't know, like um, the blend before the Neanderthals and stuff like that, mm. communications between human beings was mostly happening through d- drums on distance, um, and that is something that really uh, hits us in our core. So the understanding that why we respond to dance music and to certain rhythms is really, it's, it's in our DNA, it's in our species. Um, and it's another one of those cool things how you can bring people together in a very unified way because it's in us.
0: Right. So it, with your making music and stuff, there's uh, special tools, special software, anything that you use that uh, you would suggest?
1: Yeah, oh, that's a good question. Um, I use different sets of tools. If I want to record a podcast, uh, I've been mostly been using um, this tool uh, called uh, Acid Music Studio. Uh, for me, it's something that I've been using since two thousand and four. It's really easy to uh, yeah to create like uh, speak corrections or whatever in the in the music that you load in there. Uh, so it's it's a, it has a really nice and dynamic interface. Um, but if I'm really producing my own music, so really working with like, uh, VSD instruments or with like hardware and whatever, um, then I use Cubase. Uh, Cubase is a DAW, uh, one of the, one of the like heavier programs to use in the music industry. Um, and it, it's interface, it's a bit complicated, but, um, it, it does make a lot of sense in like how... Uh, You have to program like your your instruments and effects and stuff, and how you can really blend them together. Um, And it's really, in the end, the same as you use 3D design software. In the end, the the tool, what you use, doesn't really matter as long as you, you are able to create something that works from it, you know? Yeah, it's what
0: you use, what you get used to, and what makes sense to you. Exactly. Yeah, I've been uh, using uh, Studio One for doing my recordings, uh, their free version. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, you know, and especially if you can do, uh, if you can
1: reach your goals with a free version, well, that's, that's the perfect dream because, uh, yeah, it's it's nice that you can use something without really having to, to invest in it, and then that is available, that it allows you to, to create stuff with it, you know, that's really amazing that it's, uh, that it's being offered like that. So yeah, embrace those and use those as much as you can. Yeah, and it, uh, I mean, it has—it's
0: probably way more powerful than I need, but it was uh, more powerful than what I needed than some of the others I looked at. But uh, yeah, I've been fiddled with. it, had to Google everything about how to <laughs> how to do what I need to do. But now I know how to do what I need it to do. So
1: but that's that's how you start, you know. And the good thing is this. Through the internet now, we are so hyper-connected, and so you're. if you have questions about software or about doing certain things, you're probably not the first person to think about that, so just Google the shit out of it. I, I'm sure you'll find someone asking the same or a similar question and someone answering it on some forum or whatever, you know? There's, there's a lot of documentation available. I mean, uh, I once heard someone say... I'm not sure if it's if it's accurate, but like on a on a day-to-day basis, we generate more information these days than uh, the Egyptians did in 2,000 years. That's so probably true. Just from your perspective, there's a lot of knowledge available now with just a few clicks of, uh, on your computer. We are so hyper-connected, so you don't need to know everything. Well, it's more like uh, like the Matrix. If you need something, just look for it and you'll find it. You know? Yeah,
0: that's what I tell anyone. Like uh, working on my car and stuff, it's like. Uh, i need to replace something i I could go to the shop and pay them an exuberant amount of money to do it or i can go to youtube and watch a 15-minute video and be able to do it myself
1: for majority of things yes but there's also a few things that i'm like yeah i would rather have an expert look into this but i mean at least we have the choice now to see if we need an expert or not
0: yeah you can get you know you watch that video first and you're like okay and maybe that's something I can't do, <laughs> and then, then you go to a professional.
1: Exactly, but at least you understand that you have a choice now, and that's that's at least uh, what's so good about us being so well-connected these days.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what people did before, you know, open up their encyclopedia to figure out things. I, how, how did they do anything?
1: Well, like that, and then uh, whenever there was like a new version of the encyclopedia, you would have to even buy that one because you would hear something new, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so there was a new chapter at it. I remember when I was still in, in school as a kid, um, that was, yeah, obviously before we had internet at home. And so uh, if I was to make like an essay or stuff, something, I would just, uh, my dad always had these CD ROMs of Encarta, uh, of, uh, <laughs> which is like a digital encyclopedia. and. Uh, yeah, it at least allowed me and my sisters not to go through the library to find information for for our essays. We, we could at least find it on our computer already, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Uh, yeah, that that made such uh, information available for us because there was like a new encarta every year. I I remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was, uh, yeah, it was really cool.
0: That's a- for fun days. That's almost like the the first Wikipedia. <laughs>
1: Yeah, put it, put exactly it on a CD. Had, like, every year there was, like, an updated version rather than uh, everyone can contribute to it, you know? Yeah. That's funny. Fun days. But, yeah, if, uh, if I'm going to look back at, like, uh, like, the making process and stuff, what I think is really valuable for um, for myself, and uh, what I've lost a bit in the last few months that I've been trying to, like, recalibrate and find back, is especially when you do creative work, um which is supposed to like entertain someone or where, you, where, you, where, you're, like, where you're a facilitator and, and people are uh, benefiting from it, please make sure that whatever you do, that you have fun doing it. Because especially also for me as a DJ, if I'm not feeling that well and I'm on stage, I will somehow reflect that through my audience. It's so hard to, to lock it down and, and uh, to be perfectly the moment. So make sure whatever you do is all just make sure you enjoy it. And, and that is what will reflect in your work. That is what people will feel and what you will radiate. Uh, and that is what will make everyone a lot happier. Um, so that's, I think that should be your first keystone and uh, especially being an artist on stage. And from there, whatever tools you use to, to produce your music. It, it doesn't matter if you, if you choose software A or B or if you, or if you try to work with the hardware. As long as you can find something that fits your need and that will uh, allow you to make the music or, or that will uh, give you the option to make, uh, will work on your performance, just use that tool, you know? It doesn't really matter what, what your neighbor is using or whatever or what that person is advising you. Use whatever works for you. Listen to people's advice, but you don't necessarily need to follow everything. Follow your own gut in that. I, I think that's... Then, uh... oh, go ahead. Sorry? <laughs> In- no, no, I was just What
0: were you saying? Okay, I was gonna say uh, I think that's something that um, that our generation, that we kind of our, our you know our parents and everything wanted that for us, so that we enjoyed what we do. And I think our yeah. generation has really gone with that. That like, and, and now they think bad of us because we don't want to do jobs that we don't want to do. But it's like, hey, you told us we could be whatever we wanted to be. I want to go out there and make people dance, so that's what I'm gonna do.
1: Exactly, and now that's that's a whole super interesting part of it is that we are in this generation where we are the generation of choice. We have an option to make a decision. You know, we we have an understanding of like, hey, I can do this job for X amount of time, and then I can, can do that, or we, we like my my dad, for example, he has over 40 years of experience and, and uh, working for Philips and for VDL. Um, I think my longest run at a company is like four years. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my 30s now. My, my dad will retire in a couple of years. You spent this entire life working for basically the same company. Our generation, uh, like the people that were born in like uh, early 80s or something, they will never experience this. They will never be in a, or like just a very few people will be in, uh, working for one company like that. We are a generation of choice, and our parents and the generations before that built it so that we could actually have a choice with our lives, which is amazing, which is something to be very grateful, very appreciative for. But it also means that we have a responsibility. We need to understand that, um, yeah, we, we are still part of a society, so it's not like we can all just quit our shitty jobs if we have them, because we would still need someone to... Sometimes check up on our car or someone else, like, making sure there's no trash outside on the street or whatever, you know? We need to understand we're still part of that system Mm -hmm. uh, because we're part of society. So having a choice is wonderful, but it means that we we still have responsibilities towards each other. Well, I think, you know, some
0: people, you know, fixing cars, that's still their passion. I'm not sure if some people are passionate about picking up trash on the street.
1: But well, you can you can also see it like this: if you had a job that was really intense, and suddenly your only concern is making sure that one street is clean, and you can go home, and you can just go on with your life. Sometimes that's also a wonderful feeling of freedom. You don't have to worry about what what your job is going to do the day after, because after you clean the street, you're done. Right. You know. So there's a very different level of freedom, and and what we currently uh, are trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's kind of. Like, with my current job, it's like, you know, I, I go in, I work for eight hours, it'll be really busy, but it's, you know, you go in, you get it done, the time goes by fast because it was busy, and then you go on. To, right. Do yeah, you do your
1: life.
0: Go do your life. but it Exactly. But it it's like, I, I don't know if you're, uh, your dad loved his career, you know, for 40 years, but you you hear a lot from the older generations that like you know they worked 40 years in one place and they hated it but they did it because that's what an adult does and it's like exactly you spent 40,
1: well, of, I, your I, I 40 of your 40 years of your life idea. hating it yeah exactly and that's that's the whole good thing that we learned that that's not how life should be mm-hmm. uh, uh, from people who get the signal that they hated their job for the past 40 years now I know that my dad um, he, I think he, uh, does have stressful times and also sometimes stressful colleagues and all the, all the bullshit we all experience in our jobs now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, there's also like a lot of projects that I know that he worked on that he was really passionate about and that uh, actually made like quite a big impact. I'm, I'm not sure. I know, I know some of the stuff that he worked at, I feel I'm not sure if I could tell it in a podcast. Right. Uh, but one of the things that I, that I was really proud of was when I heard that he has been working on this machine um, together with, with some other team uh, that could actually, uh, within nine minutes, tell if someone was infected with the e- Ebola virus or not. That's amazing. Uh, and which normally the, the, the previous procedure to find out wh- whether someone had an infection took a, took a couple of days with the previous testing method. Wow. I mean, like that's that's like mind blowing that that my dad had, that had something to do with the trajectory of building that that device, building that process, you know. Definitely. Uh, I think I think those are the things that uh, make him proud of what he has been capable of doing in this past four years. Like not every assignment may have been that exciting, but I think that's really one of the cool things, you know, that he still uh, could look forward to in his career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah. You know, it's the, our generation is different than uh, than that, and we, I think. Now, now that we understand, we have a choice. All we want to experience are the highlights. You know, we all want to have the best uh, jobs, the best moments. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, our generation is uh, in for some struggles if we don't get our highlights. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we all think about it. You
0: you're working for you know forty some years of your life. That's a big chunk of your life, and it's also usually your your the prime years of your life. <laughs> yeah. So. To, to waste that doing something you you don't enjoy doing it just yeah, it doesn't make sense
1: exactly and and also like even in my role as a as a DJ I think uh, there's also parts of the work that I don't really like you know I don't like um, having to do my financial administration for example I hate it so that's why I started to hire someone who does my accountancy, uh, which is nice but. Uh, other things that I, that I find pretty difficult is, you know, I'm I'm a DJ. What I want to do is entertain and, and work for an audience. But what I do not like is the whole ass-kissing of organizations and bars and stuff like that in order to actually arrange a gig, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to focus on working with the audience, not about, like, the, the kind of, like, behind-the-screens politics. Yeah. Um, and there's the, so even though the, the highlights of being on stage, maybe like, oh, you have an awesome life and all the traveling that, that I've been doing, there's also dy- downsides behind that, you know? There's also uh, realizing that, so you've been traveling for two months. You you had some uh, projects going on, right? Mm-hmm. And then you talk to one of your friends and you were like, hey, uh, what actually happened when you went on, uh, on a date with that girl? And then your friend was like, dude, that was two months ago. <laughs> You you know you get so caught up in doing all of your st- stuff that it's sometimes also difficult to realize that where in your your home area life also continues. You know it's not like time freezes when you're traveling. Uh, and that's that's kind of like you, you start to understand that you also start to miss some stuff. Uh, so there's this that can be a downside if you if you're not ready to or not um, able to that as a sacrifice is something that, that you are giving in us to, to, to do the, the highlights of your life, you know? Yeah, and I, I think...
0: Uh, that, and, uh, sorry? I was going to say, I, I think uh, I talked about that some with Vicky and Andrew about um, how you, you know, we're, we have this passion and we want to do it on our own, but then you have to do all the other stuff that is part of a business that, <laughs> that you don't enjoy. That it... Uh, that or that you that you weren't aware of that that was part of that that part of business, you know. Right. You you get all that freedom, but you have all that additional responsibility that goes along with it.
1: I mean, simply said, as a DJ, I, I wanted to focus on music, not on freaking SEO tactics. <laughs> right. Come on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, it is something that's easily forgotten that it's, those tools are very important to actually be able to some visibility but uh, yeah it's, it, people just uh, see highlights these days because that's all what we share with each other on social media. So it's very easy to give us uh, to give ourselves and everyone a wrong perspective of what's actually happening. Um, and I've been actually been uh, yeah I, I've been trying to resist that more and more and so on my own website on reallyline.com I've uh, created this section called behind the Content. Uh, whereas I want to explore also with the people, um, uh, who have like different jobs and layers of the music or event industry, or, you know, I just want to explore a bit more like what's happening behind the scenes. What don't we get to see on the perfect Instagram picture, but what is very relevant uh, behind the camera of the Instagram picture at that very moment. What, you know, I think that is going to give uh, a bit more, um, a realistic vision of that, it's not always like sunshine and, uh, and rainbows and whatever. And it's the but there's, uh, there's a <laughs> big price to pay behind it in order to get something done. And that can also be like suddenly finding yourself in a writer's block or even burning out because of the pressure, or you know? Uh, and I think that's easily forgotten in what we see from uh, artists and, and uh, entrepreneurs on, uh, on social media only. Um, so I think it's a good thing to explore that and. Uh, to make sure that if you are friends with artists, and and, and uh, make sure you you keep checking on them, how they are doing, mm-hmm. because it's it's a tough world. It's it's a really tough industry, uh, and it's just easily forgotten that a perfect Instagram picture it, it does not summarize whatever that person is feeling or whatever that person is going through.
0: Right. I feel like like even people that aren't entrepreneurs and everything, they still only, they they mostly want to show that positive face. But when you're a business owner, you want to only show the positive face. You don't, you know. Exactly.
1: You want to prove that you're owning it. And believe me if I'm saying it, there is no such thing as greener grass at your neighbor's place. You know? Right. There's always something. So, understand that. And suddenly you will relieve yourself from the pressure to always be like, to always look good. And relieving yourself from that pressure... Uh, that will actually unlock your creativity.
0: Definitely, and that—that's you know—it's kind of why I started the podcast was to to get into that background to uh, break away from you know my, what I'm used to, what I'm comfortable with, to try to add okay. add to that. And
1: that. that's why I really appreciated your invitation for being part of this podcast because that's exactly what I've been trying to to achieve with my behind the content uh, blog platform to dive into, like, hey, what what is really happening, you know?
0: It's that, uh, so it's uh at, yeah, it's that uh, great minds yeah. think alike.
1: <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is I think this is really exciting because, um, yeah, what I like is, is that uh, where I focus a bit more on, like, the, just the music and event industry, so I've been talking to, like, uh, uh, this girl, her name is Anna Marijn, and she is a a great event producer here in the, in my home city in Eindhoven um, and her her vision is as long as i organize a, a, and and uh, produce an event uh, no one sees me and no one complains or no one spo- uh, notices that something is off then i have done a good job you know she, she her goal is to actually be invisible as a as a prom- as a uh, event producer which i think is it's really cool but that also means that no one is actually thinking of acknowledging her or recognizing her work Mm -hmm. you know because she is so hidden and that's why i felt like hey that's also part of my behind the content stories because uh, it's it's easy to think oh yeah this event looks great and i had a fun day but you have no idea that there's someone working on that for like the past year making sure you you actually had restrooms there or making sure there were gates or like a bar arranged or whatever you know yeah we all we all remember the bad (laughs) events It's funny how we take all of that stuff for granted, and especially as, as an artist who really focuses on a specific little moment when they are on stage. Um, that stage wouldn't have been there without either producers. That stage wouldn't have been there without people who were building it for the past two weeks. You know. And so you can, you can stand up there on the stage with your hands up and thinking you've made it, but really you're just one small fraction of the whole essence of the whole recipe that actually makes that moment possible. And I think that little humble moment that is what the most artists have been missing now
0: right yeah I and mean, we all remember the bad events when you go there and the the porter pots are terrible and there's it's just not set up right but you, you never exactly. you never think about the good ones that, that you know when someone actually does their job right that you, you don't
1: think about that they did it <laughs> no then you just go to like one of those porter parties and you just do your thing and you're walking out but the moment you're just standing in a lineup for 30 minutes to actually use one, then you're like, holy shit, this is so wrong. But right. the moment you have access to it, you just do your thing and you move on with your other business for that day. And that's, that's exactly, you know, it's, it's so easy uh, in this world to recognize and, and be aware of negative experience, but we don't embrace the positivity in that. But mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a very important field of what, uh, in order for our generation to be more happy, to start embracing all of the things that went well. Right. Recognizing those, right. nah, we've we've gone quite deep in this conversation. You know, <laughs> <Yeah. man. laughs> that, that's what I was thinking I was like
0: thinking if we could get get a little bit back. Uh, so I was thinking, uh, what what is your personal touch uh, to DJing that you feel makes your pieces unique? That uh, you know, you go listen to another DJ that people wouldn't get. Oh, good question. I think um,
1: I think because I. Uh, tend to steer away from, like, like the, the easy-to-expect tracks. Um, I think uh, I would rather, I, like, I, whenever I play somewhere, I have, like, three or 4,000 tracks with me, right? Mm-hmm. And I purchase a lot of new music, uh, almost every month on, uh, on Beatport, I spend at least, like, one full working day browsing catalo- uh, through catalogs and just purchasing things that I think that are good um and back in my vinyl days whenever everyone was playing like the a side because that was a hit i was always playing the b side of that vinyl too because i actually enjoyed it because no one was playing it so i could play something different you know and i think that search for for finding stuff that i as curator as, as, a, as a dj would enjoy to hear uh that is what i radiate back on my on my audience that's th- i think that's what uh makes me unique because yeah it, Puts me in a, in a different place somewhere than everyone who just makes the same choices because they think that's what I expected from them. Yeah, I think that's unique and challenging. That you you try to
0: find music that people don't listen to all the time. But oh, they w- also,
1: that if you if you choose something that you like and your audience doesn't, then you're right. Yeah, uh, so that they, uh, they, they have to
0: enjoy it, it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll edit it some out. Those things so that iTunes doesn't <laughs> yell at me. <laughs> But yeah, they they have, you know, the people have to like it, and but you're you're not playing them what they've heard three hundred times on the radio. You're playing something that they've probably never heard before.
1: Exactly, but there's also this middle ground, you know. You can you can, I mean, I have a few like really cool bootlegs that have like a very short vocal of like Beyonce in it that was ripped from, um, uh, I think from uh, Destiny's Child uh, "Lose My Breath." Mm-hmm. So it was like a very brief like. Short sentences repeated a few times, and people will instantly re- recognize it's like, oh, it's Beyonce, but not like, oh, it's from that song, but they think, oh, I've heard it in one of their songs, but which one was it? And then you see someone like, oh, wait, but this is really cool, this is really smart, how this vocal bo- has been used in a totally different way. You know, and you surprise your audience with it, but still with something that's recognizable, but uh, you, you don't have to play like, say the whole acapella you can just use like a small fraction of it mm-hmm. and that's what makes it a lot more creative I think as well I think that the creative element of surprise and, and still blending it with something that people will recognize but in a way where it's like catches them off guard I think that is what makes it cool that what is what makes it interesting for them to, to keep listening to what you're doing and and doesn't necessarily have to be with an acapella, that can also be with like a melody that they think that they've heard before or like a, a And you see something
0: work in their, in their heads, and that's when they start dancing. Because they have no idea what else to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, so, sorry? I'll say that, that, yeah, that's, I, I can't comprehend being able to do that. Yeah, the, the music stuff, that's out of the realm of what I do. But it sounds it sounds extremely difficult to be able to get people into something that they aren't programmed, you know because that's what a lot of the music yeah, exactly. industry does now is program you to like things by playing it over oh,
1: and like over like a radio station plays like a track like three or four times an hour and saying like this is the next hit and they keep saying it and then people will think oh yeah this is a hit because they hear it all the time on that radio station right no that's not a hit that's how you how you make a hit that's how you create it that's how you hype a track you know
0: and, and there's also but, science involved in the the repetitively hearing you can think the song is terrible you hear it when you hear it. But every time you hear it, it gets engraved in your head, and eventually you're going to start singing this song that you hate.
1: Somehow the melody ends up somewhere in your brain where you're like, why is it here? Right. Or why why do I have this stupid lyric in my head right now? I didn't even hear this song today, you know? Right. We all have that, and that's because it should be pushed into our brains. And I think uh, there's, there's so much more good music. Like, even when I went to, like, some urban parties, um, why would I always hear the same uh, track from Kanye and Jay-Z six times with the same backspin from every DJ? Like, that they were using the same technique and then uh, an hour later a new DJ plays and he uses the same track, do, you do, does it in the same way with the backspin or whatever. And i like, doesn't Jay-Z or Kanye has like 40 other good tracks you can choose from in this very moment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just really, like, is that be bold enough to make to make that choice, you know, and it's not that difficult. Yeah, it's it's a little lazy in it, and it's um, it's mostly lazy. Yeah, it's, it's mostly lazy and not daring to embrace your your responsibility as a curator of the night. But but not
0: only being lazy, but it's a hindrance to the to the craft because it's exactly. it, it's making it cheap and repetitive.
1: And that is that is the biggest flaw of the industry right now is that there's so many people um also wanted to be part of it and i I can't blame them because that's also what i wanted when i started 13 years ago Mm -hmm. um so i understand that people want to be part of it and stuff and that they want to play um but this is also messing up some very core uh parts of the industry it messes up uh the the um, the amounts of gigs that are available because suddenly there's a a flood of more djs and places where you can play Mm -hmm. you know then there's a, a a problem of mismanagement of like uh, creating wrong conditions for your gigs so, so people who play somewhere for free or even pay for it to pay so to play somewhere or are happy to play somewhere but pay for on for their own drinks while they play Yes, suddenly you can't even charge like a minimum uh of, for, of, a, of a like 200 euros for like a for like a two hour set or something and that's like extremely low uh, but you can't even charge anymore because some To a level where it's insanely brutal and unrealistic as a as a smaller DJ to create like a at least like a reasonable amount of money uh, out of it to be able to continue your craft. Right. So the the industry is, is really in a yeah I don't know I'm, I'm like a big curveball or something. It's, it's it needs to return. Uh, it, it got out blown out of proportion. It needs to return to where it's like a craft and only. Not not to rule people out, but at least to, to redefine what is quality and what, what do we want to see and experience in our free time if, if we are standing there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think um, organizations, club owners, promoters, uh, and bars, even restaurants who play with, around with DJs now, be very conscious in, in what you curate because it really amplifies your uh, presence of, of your location, of your, of your event. So be very critical about uh, who delivers quality of what you want, and not just book. Uh, I don't know uh, John that lives next door right. because he never. You know, don't don't do that, but do something that will actually add value. Because we can all just look at, at money as value, but like creating the right experience and the right memory is of more value. And we we know this saying, you know, there's. You can do all of these things right, um, but whenever someone hurts you, that is what you will remember. You will not remember the points where someone did something nice to you, but the moment someone made you feel terrible, that is what you will remember. And that is the same with how we treat events and bars, you know? If you, if you don't embrace value and quality, then people don't see a reason to come back.
0: Right. But, so, like, like if, if, I, if I can go into your bar and hear a DJ and then walk next door to the next bar, and it sounds exactly the same, then why... So
1: what does my bar
0: offer? Right. Uh, you you want to be that one that offers the, the,
1: the experience. Exactly. Uh, not just the experience, but also with creating a certain vibe, you can also bring together a certain type of people, mm-hmm. and then it suddenly you uh, get more reason for you to return to a certain place because there's more people that you feel uh, in sync with. Right. that are coming there and, and it and has to match the, the vibe that, that you're going then for she, sorry i was saying that it has to match the vibe you're going for yeah exactly and then that it means that if you if you find as a as a, as a visitor you find like-minded people in a certain bar you know that you that's where you're going to return the next time because at least in that place there's like the people that you like and the people you want to hang out with but also the music that you like you know and that's that's something makes you feel good and it makes you feel connected and that's what we are um, I think in our hyper connected world with our uh, where we all connected with, with, uh, with the device in our hands the, the moment that we are in an, in an environment where we feel connected with people around us I think that's that is value mm-hmm. and that is what we are missing these days Definitely. and that's why especially after the whole uh, when the whole financial uh, problem starts Back in uh, 2008, um, what you saw was that people, and especially people from, um, from like millennials and, and like uh, early millennials, that they have been looking for more experiences rather than uh, gathering objects in their life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's purely because they got so disconnected with all of the objects, with all the consumerism, and we got so disconnected from, from the humans around us. And that's what we are craving, and that's why people are focusing more and more on, uh, on memories, on, on traveling, you know, on seeing stuff, experiencing. It's because we, we got lost. Right. And that, that is something you can help cultivate with having a good club and bringing the people together again it makes them feel like they can, they have something to look forward to again, they have some place to come home again. In a sense, because that's why that people are gathering as well. They that is what you can curate as a, as a club owner or as a festival, and that is you can curate that by uh, booking the right artists that are aligned with your values. Values transcend way beyond money these days, and that is uh, yeah, that is something that's easily forgotten.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So, I've only got, like, I mean, we're, we're already, like, 50 minutes of recording, so I've only got, like, <laughs> one more question to go, and then we can wrap it up.
1: I will keep the answer brief. Okay.
0: okay. <laughs> uh, so, so it sounds like uh, the vibe you're getting is that, that today it's really difficult to get into the DJing business uh, compared to, like, when you started. So, yeah. what kind of advice, though, would you give to... Uh, Young, rude as he's starting his DJ. Uh, what advice would I give? Um, I okay. I can be
1: objective, and I can be um, the the teacher. If I can be objective, then I think um, if I look at how the industry has evolved, I should have started producing. Uh, m- earlier with my own music. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, th- while I have not produced like my own tracks or, or completed my own tracks uh, and haven't signed any l- uh, tracks, I am still able to to earn some money with this, and I have been playing on an international scale with very interesting uh, gigs, uh, and most importantly, I've been able to connect insanely big artists from all over the world from an international scene um, and I think if I would have been trying to get on the bandwagon with like producing music and, and trying to be as all of the other DJs while losing my or just being like this this music machine without like focusing on my network and my presence I would have not gotten that far and, and got such a diverse network internationally and I think I wouldn't have done my international performances on this level so Yeah, I think even though the road hasn't been easy, um, I'm only 30 years old now. and I've been in this industry for almost half of my life. Um, It still feels as if I'm just getting started now. Right. So that's the thing that means if I'm still just getting started, it means I still have a lot of energy and a lot of things I can still achieve and I can still do. So why should I advise myself a different path? Well, that, that's good that you feel that uh, you got it right the first time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not been easy, but at least, you know, it's, I think it's been going the way that uh, how I learned my lessons and values out of it. And that is something no one will take away. And even like a, if I would try it again, I think I would still have to do it the same way in order to understand what my value and responsibilities in this role are.
0: Well, I, I wasn't expecting a, I did it the, you know, an answer to that like that, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's what were you expecting? well. I mean, like uh, you know, if you like, like you said, you would go, you could uh, tell yourself to produce um, from the beginning, but that would ruin other experiences. You know, I, I, I I've never really looked at it that way myself. That you kind of you would be cheating yourself of those experiences if you went back and. Uh, gave yourself insight.
1: Well, then you would have ended up at different places. Right. Um, and the thing is, you can you can dream about where you could have been, or you can focus on where you are. Right. And I think I think that's I think that's key, in just understanding that you know you're not like your your future self talking against your past self. You're here in the present now. So what can you do now in order to ...to enjoy and, and embrace whatever you're doing, you know? Definitely. But, I mean, we can't travel back and forth in time yet. Maybe one day we will, but right now we can't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's a need to, to explore that. Um, but if, if I'm going to advise other people, I would say... ...just follow your, your gut instinct to try to embrace a network... Uh, ...connect with like-minded people all over the world. Uh, go through forums... Uh, go through Facebook groups, whatever, um, get connected, you know, Uh, because that connected network, it will inspire you, it will make you feel like you're not one crazy person trying to do something, but you feel that there's other people looking at the same problems or whatever, and those different perspectives, they can give you real interesting insights of how to uh, continue building your business and, and understanding if you actually want to build a business. Because that's also there's also a lot of people who just want to do it for fun, well then don't get in the way of people who are trying to create a business you know mm-hmm. So' that's, it's re- figuring out what you want and, and creating your own uh, network because that will give you the bi- biggest satisfaction in this industry. Definitely. that it's also very much like that as a, as a creative uh, entrepreneur and, and like in uh, other making uh, uh, in, um, in other parts of making such as you know uh, what, what do you do with like are you um, yeah like the, the, the project with the wine glasses that you've just done or I know you've done some work for Andrew you know there's all these cool projects that you're working on from a maker perspective um, and it's really nice that, that people are starting to trust you and, and come back to you to uh to help them out on, on whatever weird assignment that they think that no one else in the world can do, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is something, you, you a sort of reputation that you built uh, by yourself. Right. And that is that is
0: value. Uh, definitely. Uh, you definitely have to, you know, you, you, you have your passion, but the other people don't have that passion. They, they don't know your passion, so you have to show them, hey, not only, my, my passion is legit, you know? It, what you get from me, that's what, you know, you can expect from me, and then they'll learn yeah. to appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not like making them appreciate it or not. It's about like, hey, this is something you can appreciate and something you can enjoy, but, you know, people need to... You, it's about giving them the freedom and don't feel offended if, if people don't like
0: what you're doing, you know? Right. Yeah, and well, not like not like force them to appreciate it, more like, uh, um, like that, that yeah. they... Be available. It, they appreciate it, but it's not something that they would expect to appreciate. Exactly. Right.
1: Uh, so that is a nice way like, to conclude this uh, whole uh, deep diving story.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think so. So uh, I'll, I'll go into my wrap up. I got a little wrap up written up.
1: <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm really curious what you uh-huh. Oh, I just wanted to add to it. It was. Yeah. Uh, it's just that you said it in your, in your introduction, but then I instantly remembered, yeah, I remember that you came over to charge your phone. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, by the end of the night, we had a cool group picture with Pete and Savannah and stuff. It was really fun. But, yeah, it was my first time in uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually, uh, dude, I don't know, oh in, in five days, that's exactly five years ago. Yep. But, yeah. right. was 12th of July in the 2013. Um, I remember as the back of my hand, but I, it was really funny, you know. Uh, there was like hundred twenty people that I've never met in my life, and then like most of them, I'm still in touch with, uh, also through that party, you know. It's it's
0: really cool. The uh, the things that happened
1: that you never expect to happen, you know. Exactly, you know. All right, so, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny yeah, that you mentioned about charging your phone. I remember that you came always <laughs> crazy. Right, it was. <laughs> in the last years. It definitely has.
0: <laughs> that, that was definitely a good one up on the on the rooftop.
1: <laughs> Too bad it was raining. Yeah. But The venue was gorgeous. It was a bit big for the amount of people, but it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Alright. Yeah. Yeah Alright, you, all right. you uh, say, it was a, say what you would, let's let's try Alright, right, let's go. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so that, that wraps us up for this episode of Making It. Thank you for joining me today, Rude.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Michael. This was a pleasure. It was a deep dive, but it was cool.
0: Yes. Uh, I, I hope you learned as much as I did today about Rude and his craft. And as always, if you feel you would like to share with us as well, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at mikewilliams at melange.com. And I hope you tune in to my next episode.